Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about giving back, like we build these successful lives. And part of our responsibility is to hold a hand out to help people that need it. Uh, Because everybody I know, including me especially, I've had people that have lent a hand to me to help me uh, become more successful, happier. And today we have the privilege of having George Brooks with us here today. George, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So why don't you give us like a a 60-second snapshot of who you are and what you're doing? Well, my name is George Brooks. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, but I now reside in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Went through several uh, mental health challenges growing up. Uh, Went through about a 10-year period of addiction, uh, mental health neglect, more or less, traumatic divorce, custody issues. I hit rock bottom uh, about 2017, relocated to Dallas, built myself back up, started a nonprofit, uh, I'm now uh, running my nonprofit Meta Association, which focuses on Black male mental health, fighting recidivism, uh, fatherhood, and have started other business ventures. I'm uh, plan on writing, directing, and producing some films, uh, doing some other endeavors, and maybe doing some things politically. So I've got a lot going on, and looking to give back to communities and helping other people. So uh, mental health. Mental right. well-being. Right. Uh, crazy people scare the shit out of us. Right. Doesn't matter how brave you are, what your profession is, cop, whatever. Uh, so that particular segment of the population is seen in a different light than all other uh, segments of the population. Kind of talk around that. Why do you? A is that true? And then uh, how does that impact their well-being when they're seen in this kind of dangerous uh, light? Well, the thing about mental illness is that uh, it's still very misunderstood um, because it's a disability that's not seen. Uh, with other disabilities, it can be visualized or it can be seen in terms of a diagnostic you know, aspect. But with mental illness, it's not apparently visible. And we don't understand it because it's something that's sort of abstract. So we don't get it. And with many people, we have the mindset of, well, just stop it. Uh, we, we, because we are, most people are of sound mind. So we don't understand it. And many times the mental ill are viewed as being dangerous. So with that being the stigma, uh, the mental ill are viewed as dangerous or, or uncontrollable. And many times they're the ones that are victimized and not the victimizers. Absolutely. One of the things you said was, you know, our, uh, nat- natural reaction is just stop it. And uh, psychiatrists are also guilty of that. And I came across this one program that I wanted to participate in so badly, but I couldn't. They had uh, psychiatrists go on a city street with a set of earphones on 
and there is uh, a researcher behind them. And as they're walking down the street, uh, that guy's looking at you. He's out to get you. And they start uh, saying things that are situationally accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after about uh, 15 minutes, the psychiatrist go, no, no, stop. I can't handle it anymore. And all this time I've been telling my patients, you know, just ignore it. Ignore that voice. It's like, even though the psychiatrist knows there's a guy behind me saying it, it still becomes overwhelming because it's, it's not random thoughts. You're actually looking at stuff and that lady with the blue dress, she's an assassin or whatever. And so it was like, A, I'd like to experience it. And B, it kind of comes back to that walking in someone else's shoes because it's so easy to go, oh, pull yourself up, George, by your bootstraps. This is America. Stop being a loser and a whiner. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, People need help. So how are you helping them? Well, what I'm trying to do with my, my nonprofit Meta Association is trying to speak and spread awareness. And me, myself, having a couple of mental health diagnoses, um, I'm trying to use my ability to articulate and demonstrate what I go through to try to um, generate empathy and by doing that, I think I can help people understand what it's like to live with a mental illness, the feelings of, 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 of heaviness, the fact that it never stops. And, and by doing so, I think people will grow to understand it, uh, to empathize more. And, and let me bring this up. That's one thing that's been interesting about the recent pandemic is that people have become aware of mental illness more because they've been in situations where their mental health has been affected. And we, we, are, we are seeing now more dialogue about mental health. We're seeing more discussion, more discourse, which I think uh, that now people are starting to pay more attention to it. And I'm taking advantage of that by, by taking the opportunity to speak more. And we're, we're, we're beginning to see more, uh, especially in terms of, of public policy, more attention paid to it, more, more outreach and more things like that. And I think that we're becoming a more um, kind society to those dealing with mental illness. Uh, I think we'll see more in terms kinder. of treatment. A kinder society which is what we need anyway. But I think we'll see more people that, that have issues that maybe didn't address them out of shame, start to reach out more. Uh, people saying, I have an issue and we'll begin to see more resolutions in terms of issues. Because there's, a, especially for the African American community, it's like a double whammy because one, uh, uh, it doesn't, uh, you've got the stigma and the having dark skin. And two, just the way society sees people. And then if you add mental illness and homelessness on top of that, it just stacks up to uh, this is someone that we want to stay away from. Right. It's doubly bad in the African-American community because we already have, we, you know, there's already a stigma toward mental illness, but in the black community, there's really a strong stigma because we are conditioned to, let me put it this way: in the African, in the black community, because I don't particularly care for the term African American, uh, we 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 don't even think it's real. Many of us, and there's such shame and ridicule in having a mental illness. It's seen as a weakness. Uh, in in the black church, it's seen as just pray it away. Or or uh, many of us that deal with mental illness are are hidden. 
So um, there's extra, there are extra feet of that hole to dig out of to even get to the point where the discussion can even be held. So that's one of the challenges that Meta Association, Meta Association has to deal with in going in our communities and having those discussions. But I'm happy to say that many Black churches are becoming more progressive in dealing with mental illness, and now those discussions are now being held. We've yet to scratch the surface, but I do see progress, and that is very, very encouraging. And just to add to that, there's also a, a history of uh, uh, the Tuskegee Airmen, where basically African Americans were experimented upon without their knowledge. So there's a distrust from the establishment, the medical establishment as well, just adding another layer of complexity there. Right. There's a huge, huge mistrust toward the establishment, uh, toward the medical industry. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a huge barrier in getting black folks to take medication. And that's a key component of dealing with a mental illness is, is medication. I believe dealing with a mental illness uh, is, is a three-pronged approach. I think it's spiritual. I think it's pharmaceutical, pharmacological. And I think it's... Uh, uh, ther- therapeutic. I think talk therapy is a very key part of dealing with a mental illness. So I think those three components are are integral to to recovery. But um, you know, there's a huge, huge mistrust, and that has to be overcome. And that's one of the things that we're wor- that we're working on. And that's not something that we'll see resolved in my lifetime. But my goal is to try to initiate that change and do as much as I can in the years that I have left and hand it off to the next generation to continue that until we see an appreciable change to where we see things like uh, reduction in crime, reduction in domestic violence, uh, uh, better parenting, uh, better relations between men and women, and a better position in Black America in overall society. So I think there's like a disconnect between uh, general society and uh, uh, what was the term you used? You didn't like African-American. What was the term you used? Useless black. Uh, to me, black. that just makes sense. So, uh, and black folks is, is this is a not a real clear understanding of the circumstance. So I'll give you two examples. Uh, one, uh, there's a gentleman in Baltimore and he runs this uh, organization where they basically negotiate a piece between different gangs and they have this sanctuary where you can come play video games, hang out and it's a safe place. And one day uh, there's a kid, he's like eight years old. He's playing video games. He's the only kid in the center. And the guy that runs it is about to have lunch. So he just goes, sits down with the kid. So he's not playing by himself and is about to eat his lunch, his sandwich. And the little kid goes, uh, are you going to eat all of that? And the guy that runs the center is no little man. Hey, here, have half. And the kid eats uh, half of his half, a quarter, and wraps the other quarter up in uh, a napkin and says goodbye and leaves. About a week later, the exact same thing happens. And as he's about to leave, the guy goes, help me understand, little man. How come you do that? How come you only eat, you know, half of it and you save the other half? He says, because my mom's addicted to crack and my three-year-old sister has nothing to eat. And I have to make sure she has something to eat. And that story, A, moved me, but two... It's so easy to say, you know, hey, uh, this is America. You can do anything you want. Yes, if you've got the right mindset. But if you live in a community like that and that's your daily experience, then it's harder to grab onto the opportunities when you don't have the wherewithal to do so. So, right. Yeah. 
there's a great disparity in access to care and accessibility to care. And that's a, that's a good example of it. Um, and those circumstances do affect people's mental health. Um, I grew up uh, experiencing moments and, and periods of poverty, and it did affect me emotionally and mentally. So the way to combat that is not only through, you know, economic programs, uh, access to better education, access to, 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 to better care, social programs, things like that. You can have that, but you must, you must also address the mental health, the impact that has on children, the impact that has not just on children, but on grown men that for whatever reason, whether it be because of access to education when they were younger, but systemic, you know, bias uh, that, that are at a disadvantage. But first, you must address the mental aspect. You must address the emotional aspect before you can even get to that point where you can can level the playing field. And Absolutely. that's one thing that hasn't been addressed. So tell me about one of your success stories where uh, somebody was, uh, uh, get away from me, George, I don't have a problem to actually getting them to see the light and getting some help. Uh, do you have one of those stories handy? Uh, I was teaching uh, a course on uh, to people that were justice affected, that were released from incarceration to uh, better help them find employment. Um, I was teaching that course. And um, one of the gentlemen in the class was very kind of stoic and apathetic. He didn't feel as though it would do any good. He was cynical because based on his experience, he felt as though, um, Nothing would help him. Uh, he would be kind of, you know, just pigeonholed as far as no one would give him a chance. So I pulled him aside and I talked to him and I wanted to find out what his passions and interests were. And he told me it was gaming. So I gave him some options. I said, you know, find out, try to find a way to get involved in, in what you're doing. Uh, he had a job he did not like in a field he did not like. And I encouraged him to find a part-time job in gaming. And he did it. And he saw, he began to see new avenues open for himself. He said his attitude changed and it affected his mental health because he was getting involved in something he enjoyed and he saw more opportunities and it affected his mental health. And what I always try to do is try to find different avenues and find ways for people to find opportunities for themselves that will improve themselves mentally. Because if you affect someone's mental and emotional health, uh, in ways that make them happy, in ways that bring them joy, they're more apt to pay more attention and be more accountable about their own mental health and improve themselves. So uh, what are five things people can do right now to uh, get better mental health? Be accountable. Number one, be accountable. Be accountable for your actions. Be accountable for what you do. Be accountable for how you're living. Uh, number two, be patient. Be patient with yourself. Number three, take action to improve your situation. If you are on drugs, try to get off. If you're if you're if you're going through something, seek care, and and act on that care. Be proactive. Uh, number four, understand that in being accountable, you cannot be responsible and you cannot expect those around you to change. That no matter what positive changes you make, you can't take everyone with you. They may stay in that same spot, 
So you may be prepared to lose some relationships and lose some people. That's okay. Everyone around you won't get well with you. That's okay. Are you tapping uh, the table while you're talking by any chance? Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm sorry. That's a bad idea. You got on the mic. <laughs> what am I up to? Number four? Number four. Uh, get physically healthy. Nice. Get physically um, the, the mind and body coincide. Uh, many people don't think they do, but they do. Um, if, if, you, if you're going to change things mentally, if you're going to work on yourself emotionally, work on yourself physically. Start walking. It does, doesn't mean you have to become a gym rat, but you know, drink more water. Try to eat differently. Change yourself up physically. Change your routine. And number five, uh, network. Uh, get into a support group. Get with other people, even if you're an introvert. Uh, there's no excuse. We have uh, many things online, um, online support groups. Get with other people, find, and you'll find out that you're not the only one. And in that, you'll develop better coping mechanisms. Um, you'll network, and you may find that you can help other people and in turn help yourself. So those are five things that you can do today, right now, to better improve yourself and improve your mental health. Yeah, words to live by. George, thanks so much for being on the program. Really appreciate it. Good luck on your mission. It's one that's worthy and needs support. Where can people get a hold of you? We're going to put the links in the show notes, but why don't you just say it out loud so people that are actually on a treadmill right now listening to this can right. take action. The best way to get in touch with me is at our site, metaassociation.org. That's M-E-T-T-A, association.org. On our site, you can find links to other speeches and things like that. Learn more about us and donate. Uh, we've got programs coming up. We're experiencing great growth. So check out our site. You can get in touch with me personally, and I welcome everyone to join us. Thanks so much, George. Have a nice one. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 